Blog Talk Radio. Hi, my name is Barbara Barnett, and welcome to Untangling Trump Daily, your daily dose of Trump whiplash prevention. You know, it's funny, until about an hour ago, it never occurred to me to use my Blog Talk Radio presence to bring it into the political realm. I've always talked about television, books. Maybe I should introduce myself. My name is Barbara Barnett, as I said at the top of this broadcast. I have a lot of different jobs. I'm an educator. I'm a member of the Jewish clergy. I'm the executive editor of Blog Critics Magazine. I'm a published novelist. My novel, The Apothecary's Curse, which is a historical contemporary fantasy that takes on some big political issues came out in October. Mostly, I'm a concerned citizen, concerned about the direction this country is going in, the dark, dark path. And for the last two weeks, I've been depressed, frustrated. And this morning, about two hours ago, I found myself for the first time since Donald Trump's, I hate to say it, his inauguration last Friday, I found myself near to tears listening to television, reading the tweets, reading the news, going on Facebook. I actually started writing a new short story that predicts, that describes the end of the United States as we know it. I knew I had to do something. My husband was getting tired of me constantly chanting about Trump this and Trump that, and he would say, Trump, Trump, Trump but he's as fascinated by it as I am, as depressed by it and as angry as I am. And last Sunday, for the first time, I did something that I never thought I would do. And that was, never thought I would do in in many, many years. And that was to go on a march in support of the Islamic community in my area in light of the horrible, horrible, and whatever Trump wants to call it, ban on immigration by Muslims that he instituted late Friday night. So that's why I'm here. I'd love you to call in. You can call into the show at 929-477-2658. I have a chat room that I'm setting up. It doesn't seem to be working at the moment, Um, but feel free to join me. Um, And look for me. Again, the number for call-in is 929-477-2658. Because I only thought of the idea this morning, my first episode is um, on a Thursday afternoon. But I intend to broadcast, for the most part, on in the morning, probably 9 or 10 o'clock every morning. I'll tweet it. Please subscribe to this cast, let me know what you think. What I wanted to do today for this first broadcast, and right now the broadcasts are set for 30 minutes. I might extend that, especially if people call in. But I wanted to spend a little time talking about some of the issues that just today off the top of my head. And then I want to read some tweets. I want to give you some resources. And um let you know where you can go to follow the, the news. This morning on Twitter, and I've been saying this for the last 
two weeks um, was that we should be following the money. There's an awful lot of smoke out there, an awful lot of bright, shiny objects that Trump has us following, that Bannon has us following, that Kellyanne Conway has us following, shiny objects that in the end mean absolutely nothing. We need to follow the money. We need to follow the emoluments clause, the foreign payments, the Trump Hotel on Pennsylvania Avenue that he is illegally holding on to, despite the fact that the building is owned by the GSA, by the government. And his lease specifically says that no elected official may own any interest in any part of this lease. We need to follow all the foreign money, conflicts of interest. They go on and on and on. I want to talk about not only the money, because we need to follow the money. We need to follow the cabinet selections. And I've been thinking a lot, and I've been talking a lot to friends over the last 24, 36 hours over Trump's Supreme Court nomination, Gorsuch. You know, on its face, if it were just an ordinary Supreme Court nomination, my answer as a political scientist would be, as the president, he won. And a lot of us have always said, it's about the Supreme Court, baby. That's what these elections have come to be about. Not so much as it's turned out, but absolutely that's part of it. And as the president, the president gets to choose. Obama, President Obama, my president, was denied even a a hearing of Merrick Garland. So what to do about Gorsuch? There's a lot of pressure for Democratic senators to say no at any cost. No at any idea. They should not even consider him. Gorsuch isn't a terrible, terrible pick. Ideologically, I could not be more opposed to him. But elections have consequences. And had it not been for Merrick Garland and the way he was treated, I would say do not vote for him. But there are other more important things at stake right now. And the Supreme Court is incredibly important. But we lost this one. It's another bright, shiny object. We need to get rid of Trump and his administration by any legal means at our disposal. And the Supreme Court right now isn't the way to do that. So you may disagree with me. You may agree with me. You may throw rocks at me. You may never want to tune into this broadcast again. But I honestly don't know what to say to my senator. My senators are Tammy Duckworth and Dick Durbin. And I don't know what to tell them. At this point... I'm telling them, do not vote for any cabinet appointee. 
I'm calling that office, both offices, daily and registering my opinion, keeping them strong, knowing that they will not vote for DeVos, knowing that they will not vote for Pruitt, knowing that they will not vote for any Trump appointee to the cabinet. The Supreme Court, I'm not as certain because who will Trump put in its stead? Yes, I know people are saying, leave it at eight seats. That's what the Republicans were saying. And the only thing that gnaws at me is, is that right? Is that right to play their game and to devolve this into a never-ending game of politics? Or is there a point at which we have to actually resist and fight against the things we can fight against. I was thinking of Gorsuch and his mother, Anne Burford, who was the administrator of the EPA back in the early 80s. At the time, I was just out of school. I was an environment, I was a biology major. I had just come out of a couple of years working in an environmental microbiology and chemistry lab and went to work in the chemical industry. My job in the chemical industry was in regulatory affairs, making sure that our company stood up for all the environmental regulations that were applicable to it. Things like RICRA, the Clean Water Act, Clean Air Act, and that they were implemented at our facilities in a correct way. Then Ann Gorsuch came into, sorry, Ann Burford came into the administration of the EPA, and there were reductions in force, like nothing that my contacts at EPA had ever seen. My boss and I took a trip to D.C. and went to Crystal City, which was where EPA headquarters was. We had meetings set up with regulatory people who were looking at some of our applications, and we went there. We had four meetings. Every single one of them was canceled. Why? Because the person who we were meeting with, the people who we were meeting with, had all been rift overnight. It was a scary time at EPA. But for those of us who were working in the chemical industry, and I say me because I was employed in that industry, but for the people who ran our company, it was like, oh, right, we don't have to do anything because there's no money and no staff for enforcement. And they could do whatever the hell they wanted to do. I remember those days. And I fear another time will come where that will happen again. I have friends at EPA in another job. I worked on the side of EPA. I was a consultant to EPA. And I have friends there still, and I fear for their jobs, and I fear for the agency itself. So I wanted to talk about that. I didn't want to talk about EPA right now, but as long as I got there, I got there. Tillerson is our new Secretary of State, just sworn in this morning. I hope he has the cojones to stand up to the ridiculousness and audacity in a bad way. The, the outrageousness of Trump and what he's doing to our foreign policy. 
in two weeks. Mexico, Australia, China, France, Germany. The list goes on. But what does he do to Russia? Who, as we speak, Ukraine are in Ukraine right now, killing people, making war. And what do we do? We begin to ease, ease sanctions. Why, I might ask. Well, that gets back to Tillerson. Of course, Tillerson, Rex, who is just most recently the CEO of ExxonMobil, had a little contract with the Russians and their state-owned oil company to explore the Arctic together. Sanctions came on, and the deal went south because they couldn't explore the Arctic. So now Tillerson is in as Secretary of State. The sanctions are being lifted. Don't even begin to think that this idea that this is all very normal and technical is the beginning of the truth, because it's not. This is the money. This is the leading. This is the following of the money. We need to go there. And Tillerson, who's probably looking out for his company, Exxon, and his buddy Trump, and their mutual pal, Putin. This is where it's going, guys. This is where it's going. If you want to call your reps and your senators, make sure they are looking on, looking at this, investigating this, and not to drop the investigation into Russia's manipulating our election system. This is something that's fallen off the headlines for the last few days. Again, bright, shiny objects. We need to follow this as well. We need to make sure that our Congress follows up on these investigations, follows up on what Russia actually did, follows up Bannon's and Mike Flynn's, two people that run the National Security Council for the president who have had contacts within the Russian government. I would like to know their involvement. I would like to know why the guy who leaked the information to the U.S. is dead. I would like to know why the informant that informed the British spy, Steele's report, is dead. And what Putin had to do. I'm not suggesting that that was Trump. But evidence, disappearing guys, investigation live, and make it public. I want to say a word about Mr. Trump and his constant self-aggrandizement about his election, electoral college landslide. Even at this morning's prayer breakfast, He spent most of the time talking about himself. Follow it. Follow it. One of the things I haven't seen too much of coming from Trump's mouth or his Twitter feed is a word about these threats, three waves of them that have covered the country 
Jewish community centers all over the country. This last one, just a couple days ago, 17 JCCs around the country with bomb threats. It's the third such wave in as many weeks because it's not Islamists that are threatening them, but extreme white supremacists who are threatening them. Are we hearing a word from the White House? No. In fact, the White House response to extremism coming from wherever it might be is to take the office of investigations, of extremism, of violent extremism, and focus it solely on the threat from Islamic extremists taking the heat off of white supremacists. Good boy, Steve Bannon. Just what you wanted. Just what your Breitbart guys wanted. And speaking of which, not enough has been made about the White House's statement, the president's statement on International Holocaust Memorial Day. The idea of taking that the effect of the Holocaust and dejudifying it saying a lot of people were hurt, a lot of people were killed. Yes, they were. But to take and eradicate that statement of references to Jews and the Jewish nature of the final solution is to use almost the exact same language as white supremacists and neo-Nazis have. In fact, in yesterday's Daily Stormer, one of the biggest right-wing white supremacist neo-Nazi newspapers online, applauded Donald Trump's dejudifying of the Holocaust as a step in the right direction. Mind drumpf. I do want to say a word, though, about what happened at Berkeley last night. I know I'm being a little random here, and then I promise I'll get to the tweets. I do not believe that violent protest is a way to do this. Yes, the speaker that was brought to Berkeley last night was an abomination. He has the right to speak. I remember when I was a little girl and the Nazi party wanted to stage a march in our town, which had more Holocaust survivors in it than almost any other place in the United States. And there was a huge furor about it. The ACLU, much to the consternation of many, said they should be allowed to march. And my parents agreed, and I agreed. I was pretty little, but I agreed anyway. No one's First Amendment right to free speech should be denied unless they are calling fire. And yes, that happens. But... That wasn't the case here. I totally distanced myself from any sense that this was right. Marching? Yeah. I haven't gone on a protest march since I was in high school. That's how long it's been. And my husband and I marched among over a thousand people in Morton Grove, Illinois on Sunday, surrounding the people who belong to the mosque and the Islamic Education Center 
in Morton Grove with love and support in light of Trump's horrible, disruptive, despicable Muslim ban. So now I want to get to the tweets. And again, if you want to call in to talk, I will screen. I'm not going to let everybody on, but I will screen. Um, And um, you can call in at 929-477-2658. And I'll be happy to take your call. Um, Right now, um, I want to read some of my tweets. One of my favorite people to follow these days is Rogue POTUS staff. And he can be found at uh, at sign R-O-G-U-E POTUS staff, one word, on Twitter. He is an insider in the White House. And um, his Twitter feed is one of the most interesting. There's not a lot of big, huge breaking news, but it's a lot of inside information about what people in the White House are feeling. There are rogue and alternative uh, Twitter feeds for most of the government who are distressed and upset with the way Donald Trump is handling um, this, the White House and the government in just two weeks Some of them are parody accounts. Some of them are really, 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 really uh, not legitimate. But some of them are. Um, So this is some of them. Um, Alt-EPA is at alt, sorry, it's at actual EPA facts. Alt US EPA, um, which is the one I follow. Um, Alt underscore FDA is the uncensored FDA. Um, resistance underscore NASA and at resistance NASA. And um, Alternative NIH is at alt underscore NIH. This is a parody account. Um, There are others. You can search Twitter. Um, I personally like this guy. There are other Twitter feeds I follow and other sites I read daily. And I'll kind of give you a, a blow by blow and you can see where I come from. Every morning I read the New York Times the top stories in the opinion pages, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, Talking Points Memo, Think Progress, Politico, The Daily Beast, and Daily Coast. Daily Coast is sometimes less effective because a lot of it is opinion and not all of it is um, is as well grounded in real fact. Um, There are uh, sites like the Palmer Report and the Bipartisan Report who tend to report everything and are not always as reliable. Politico um, is important. PolitiFact also fact checks pretty much everything. So some of the tweets that are coming through my Twitter feed right now, um, we've got, 
news from CNN that Republicans are reporting that Jeff Sessions needs to stay in the Senate. So his confirmation is just put off just a little bit. Um, President Trump has tweeted a few things. By the way, I follow real Donald Trump and POTUS. And uh, I always start my morning because he tweets in the middle of the night. Something sometimes fairly outrageously, um, sometimes completely ridiculous. Um, Retweet it from Dory Scheimer. Senator Bob Casey's office tells me constituent correspondence is up 900% year over year, 80,000 pieces of mail on the DeVos nomination alone. That's pretty important. Um, The New York Times is reporting a subscriber growth. Yes, Donald Trump, the New York Times is not folding or failing. Um, Newsweek is reporting, and this is on the uh, oil thing. Um, Republicans just made it easier to keep big oil payments to foreign governments a secret by executive order. Um, that was just, or sorry, that was just done in um, on Congress. In Congress, they took a step toward reversing uh, payments to foreign governments, which just made it easier um, for people like Exxon, for companies like Exxon to pay off uh countries like Russia. And this was part of the Dodd-Frank Wall Street reform bill. Just so you know, um, people have a really short memory about 2008, don't they? (sighs) Don't mean to do that. Sorry, guys. I did not mean to do that. Sorry about that. That just kind of came on. I don't know if you heard that. That was just the um, the vote of Rex Tillerson as reported on CNN. Um, it kind of came through by mistake. Sorry about that. Apologies to CNN. That was not meant as a, uh, a, a copyright infringement. Um, Lindsey Graham is reported as saying a few minutes ago that he will never be satisfied until the U.S. punishes Russia. If there are if there are Twitter feeds or bits of news you want me to report on, please make sure to send me a note at this show. Please do subscribe to Untangling Trump Daily here at Blog Talk Radio. Again, my name is Barbara Barnett. I am the author of The Apothecary's Curse, but I'm also a political scientist with a background in, drumroll, science. I believe in science. I believe in real facts. I believe in the alt-government, but not the alt-right. Signing off for our very first broadcast, let me know what you think. See you Monday. <laughs>